Welcome to the Denverse. I'm Derek Kessinger, and today we have Cole Hamilton on to talk about the Colorado Avalanche, who made a few moves today. Good to be here. Thanks for coming on. It was hard to track him down. I had to go over to his house and convince him to come on to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that whole flight of stairs you had to walk. <laughs> so um, the Avs, today was the first day of free agency for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, they came in hoping for a top-tier forward, and it looked like they weren't going to get that. And by the end of the day, did they get a top-tier forward? Yeah, uh, I would say so. Um Walking out of the day with, you know, if you'd told me they were going to leave today with Nazem Kadri on the roster, I would have been all about that. And I would have probably assumed right away that they were going to give up Tyson Berry to do it. Um, they gave up a little more than that. So, you know, we'll get to all that. But uh, they the goal was to shore up the second line. And if you're looking at this team now and assuming that it's going to be Nazem Kadri and then Jonas Donskoy, who they added um, in free agency, and then one of either Burkowski, who they made the trade for last week, or Tyson Jost. Yeah, that's a better, I mean, that's a real improvement over what they had last year. But you've, you know, you've eaten away at some other parts of your roster. So, I don't know. So, just to get everyone up to speed, the Avs, at the end of the day, traded Alexander Kerfoot and Tyson Berry for Nazem Kadri and Kale Rosen. I think it's Callie. Okay. Like, uh, but but I'm not I'm not totally sure because he hasn't really done enough to earn getting that name right yet at yeah. this point in his career, right? Um, there are a couple picks in there too. Like they move up from a the Colorado moves up from they give out their they give away their own sixth rounder and they move up with Toronto's third rounder. So that replaces the third rounder that they. In, that they traded away in the Burakovsky trade, that they got in the Soderberg trade. So they've been um, moving third rounders all week, but uh, they have they, they finished the week with one again. So they'll have their first and Toronto's third er, and no second uh, this coming year. So obviously this trade came down, and I think my initial re- reaction was that's a lot to give up for a guy um, who's coming in here who – has done well at times. Um, I mean, I think he's a good player, but it sort of seemed like they were going for a plan where they were going to let some of the top young guys play, yeah. and then suddenly they completely changed that. And they gave up Barry, who I think, you know, if it was if it was one for one, this was the kind of one for one I think we talked about at yeah, some point. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've talked about specifically these two guys as a potential, yeah. you know, oh, would this make sense? Yeah, Barry makes sense in Toronto. And, um, I love the guy. I think individually he's a great fit. And, um, I mean, he had a down year this last year, but the role changed significantly for him um, when Toronto added uh, John Tavares. Uh, you know, the, this guy went from being their 2C to being their 3C and not playing a whole lot, not playing power play really anymore. Um, it was a big change. But before that, back-to-back 30-goal seasons – um, a guy who, you know, has been putting up 50, 60 points pretty consistently in his NHL career. Like, I really like the fit that way. I mean, he really – and he, he just brings a different dimension to the Avs that they don't have elsewhere. He's like a real sandpaper guy. He's a real, real, real competitor. Um, you know, they've, they've been accused at times unfairly and at times fairly of being a little bit soft, and that's not 
what Kadri is for sure. So I like all that piece of it. It's just the value on the trade, I think, for me that was surprising and that I'm still trying to wrestle with. Um, you know, I think it's a simplistic way to look at it, but you're looking at you know, Tyson Berry was producing 50, 60 points for you every year. Alex Kerfoot producing 40 points for you in his two seasons so far. Kerfoot, you know, RFA is on a cheap deal. Well, he was going to get re-signed here and he's cost controlled. So that deal is probably going to be pretty cheap for you. And, um, you give both of those guys away. That's a lot of production to replace. And if you're hoping to count on Kadri for 50, 60 points, that's great. But, um, that's a lot of production going the other way. Now, Barry, last year of the deal, I get it. You know, there's a reason we've talked forever about a potential Tyson Barry trade. It seemed hard for them to keep him, but um, I would have thought, even as a one-year rental, that the value was going to be a little bit higher there. Um, doesn't feel to me like the difference between Kerfoot and Kadri is Tyson Barry. Yeah, I guess what it comes down to. No, I mean that completely makes sense. Obviously. We thought this was a move they were going to have to make because they have too many defensemen right yep. now. And um, there was the news that Cole's going to be out earlier in the week, which led to some of these trades. Yep. Um, but I think that the the overall way that you look at it is they're betting on the future of Byron, Makar, and oh, yeah. Gerard. And, I mean, we all, I mean, it's clear Makar can play at that level now. Um, Gerard... I think we've wanted more points from him. Haven't seen that yet. Yep. And we don't know if Byram's going to make the team this year or not. Oh, man. He's going to get nine games. I, I would I would bet at this point because, um, you know, yeah, they're betting on the future of this Avs D for sure because you look at it right now and um, what, you know, if you were mocking up that top six the other day and trying to figure out your, your deep pairings just a couple days ago with Barry in there, Man, it was looking pretty mean, and now it's it, it's a lot of potential. It's a lot of future. It's a lot of guys that like you're excited about in the long term. But with Cole out till December, Eric Johnson, yeah, has the shoulder. Um, I would expect, based on how other guys recover from that, that he'll probably be good to go for the beginning of the season. But you never know. Um, say both of those guys are out, you're suddenly looking at your top three defensemen are Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, and Nikita Zadorov with like Zadorov at 24 as the elder statesman there. And um, the group doesn't really get more impressive after that. Uh, you know, they brought in Callie Rosen. They've got Kevin Connaughton from the Soderbergh trade. Mark Barbario still hanging around on a contract. If he's healthy, um, Ryan Graves, who had a couple games last year that looked pretty good. And then the yeah, other potential that you've got, uh, Bowen Byram coming, but that is a that's got to be the youngest decor in the league by a mile, the least experienced D group by a mile. Um, in a way, it's like a coach's nightmare. You can just imagine a coach walking out and trying to think that they have to play these six guys together with you know a combined 300 games experience or something. So, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, it looks great in the long run. You still have guys like Timmons and Malosh out there, um, and the the kid Hellison that they drafted this year. Like they, it looks great in the long run, but losing Barry in the short term is a really tough pill to swallow. Well, sort of turning to how this affects the Abs now, 
there were a lot of moves this week. Um, I think more than we thought. Oh yeah. Like, that, we thought they were going to bring in a couple guys. Obviously, they traded Soderberg away, and then brought in Burkowski. Like mm-hmm. those weren't you know the same move, but that's sort of where they were on the forward front. Well, they were so close together too. Like yeah. it's almost like one like a like a three way trade. They yeah. Were, they were clearly linked. But then you you come into the, today and you're like, it looks like the Avs are going to get two forwards. Like that was sort of how it looked. I yeah. think that they were going to do that. They brought in four forwards, including re-signing Colin Wilson today. Um, they had Don Skoy, uh, Bellamere, yeah, and uh, Kadri. So this completely changes the way that you look at how this team is built next year. Do you think all four of those guys are playing at the beginning of the year, like on the roster? And so does that push out like Kamenev's definitely not playing now? If the, if they all make the team, right? I would. <laughs> I'm just looking at this now, and this is the first time I've actually looked at the ages. Uh, Pierre Edward Belmar is the or Belmar is the only uh, the only forward on the roster who is 30. Oh man, he's 34, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, I you know, I would expect all those guys to play for sure, except for Belmar. Um, I if I'm rolling like if 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 you had to if I had to bet today I'm gonna bet that he's probably gonna play just because NHL coaches like experience he's a decent penalty killer and they wouldn't have given him almost two million dollars a year for two years to uh, be their thirteenth forward like if that's what they have in mind for him now looking at the roster myself I believe he should be the thirteenth guy probably like I would rather see. Vladislav Kamenev taking those minutes at the beginning of the year. Um, there's always injuries. There's always stuff that can happen. So um, that that could still be the case, and you have both those guys in your lineup. But that was the one that is weird to me. Um, like I said, he's a fine penalty killer. He's well-liked in locker rooms. Um, but, you know, the guy's putting up six goals and 15 points a year every year. It's like if you don't feel like you can get that from your own system, what are we doing here? Well, I mean, and that's sort of where it looked to me when you're looking at this. Not only do you have Kamenev, but O'Connor, or, uh, yeah, O'Connor played, you know, a little bit. It looked like he might play a little more. Greer, yeah. like, doesn't seem like there's a spot for him. And then the next tier of guys with Bowers and Kaut, like, where do they fit into the plan right now? Well, you know, I like I don't have a problem with the idea that Shane Bowers and Martin Kaut spend this year in the AHL. And you have some room if, you know, if, if Martin Kaut goes down and he's just ripping up the AHL this year and you need to find a spot for him, they can do that. Like Colin Wilson, they, they're bringing back on that $2.6 million deal. It's one year. If they want to move him mid-year for something, they can do that. If they need to move, you know, a Matt Nieto to make a spot for Kaut, they can do that. There's options for them there. Um, the Greer thing is hard. Because he is going to be waiver eligible this year. Um, and he had a good enough AHL season last year that I do think he would... I think it would be hard for Colorado to get him through waivers and, and keep him. So that's a guy who you have to make a decision on and keep him on your NHL roster. And when you have Bellamere there and you've got Kamenev here, um, that, that that makes it hard. you got to... Are you are you going to run fourteen forwards? That's something that uh, or on your roster. That's something they haven't wanted to carry that extra guy. Um, that would be something new for them. So I don't know how they're going to handle that, but it certainly to me looks like they are um, probably done with 
with AJ Greer and giving him, you know, a shot. I think they've kind of written that off. Well, and I mean, it's frustrating because there were times, like he didn't get to play that much, but there were games where it looked like he was playing well enough to get more minutes last year, especially during the middle of the season where they're having all those injuries, nothing was working. And it was just like, just move him up to one of the top two lines and see what happens. And now it's looking like that's not going to happen. And I think that that, that to me is the frustration with everything that happened today. And I, I said this on Twitter and no one really seemed to understand what I was saying, but they haven't proven that they're willing to elevate the younger guys if they're playing better than oh, yeah. the veterans. And that's what's so frustrating to me about a lot of the lesser moves of today. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not I'm not there are some people who are higher on AJ Greer than I am. I'm not banging down the door for this guy to to be in their top 6 or even their top 9. I'm not, you know, I don't I don't think he's going to be some massive NHL contributor. He has played 37 games at this point. He's got one goal. Six six points to show for it, and that's not great. Now, sure, he hasn't had a lot of opportunity. He's played crummy minutes. He's like there are problems there, but the guy put up forty four points in fifty four AHL games last year. You don't think he can do what they're going to pay Edward like Bellamere almost two million dollars to do? That's where I have an issue. Like, and you're committing two years to this guy. You don't commit term to guys like that who are ultimately completely replaceable um you know it, it starts to add up like two and uh, almost three million dollars on matt calvert almost two on bellamare another two on matt nieto another you know 2.6 on colin wilson you're you're getting into territory here where that's a really good player if you spend that money on a really good player and that's what the Avs refused to go out and do today they added around the margins. They kind of blocked the path for guys like Greer and Kaut, and they committed money in term to bleh. Well, the one thing that I'm excited about is I think this gives them the dual threat of two lines that are going oh, totally. to be. And that, that's exciting because, I mean, especially being an Avs fan and growing up on the Sackick-Forsberg dual threat, having the McKinnon-Rantanen first line and the Landeskog-Kadri second line is exciting and I think yeah. is going to – just that alone will make the abs better next year. It's easy to poo-poo this because like it's hard to lose Tyson Berry because yeah. he's a I mean he was a dynamic and one of a kind guy. I mean the all-time leading scorer for Avs D. So it's hard to watch that go. But man, Nazem Kadri is good and he is a good fit. Um I was trying to think about like how these lines are going to look cuz man uh, that's a big mystery to me uh, there are there are a bunch of moving parts here there's some guys who have some flexibility in terms of position um and i wrote up a couple different versions of it and <laughs> at one point i wound up with this second line of gabe landeskog nazem kadri and Eunice donskoy on the right and that is a nightmare for any other team's group of forwards or, or, or their group of D, like that line is going to forecheck you and like put you down on your butt in the corner. They're, that's a tough, tough line that is super responsible both ways that's going to score some goals. I mean, that's got to be the best second line they've had in a since at least since 2013 when they were just running the stacked forward group with no defense. And I think that's the other thing to think about this. If they hadn't, si- if they hadn't re-signed Barry this year and he'd gone into it, and they somehow lost him like they lost Dasney. This is still yeah. better than that. Oh, absolutely. But I do wonder, they had all of the room in the world. Like, 
they're if for some reason Rantanen holds out, which I don't think he's going to, they they're going to be close to the floor. Um, to start the season, like that's where their salary situation is right now. I don't yeah, th- like see. clearly they won't, but they have so much room. I think if they had re-signed Barry, they definitely could have gotten a better deal than this. And I think that that's the other frustrating thing because they had the room. Yeah, I mean those sign-in trades are rare in the NHL. So I I, I go back and forth on that. They retained, you know, I I think. One thing they did well, they retained the 50% salary on Barry. I'm sure that mattered to Toronto. I, I guess that must have mattered in the value of what they got back. I can't imagine. Like, I don't think the value was very good, so I can't imagine what they were going to get if they didn't retain. So like, good on them for doing that, for paying the money to, to make that happen. Um, I don't know that Toronto can keep him or what that situation is going to look like. That'll be interesting. But... Uh, Looking at it right now, they've got $54 million committed today, um, almost $54.5. We're looking at an $81.5 um, cap, so they've still got 27 in space. Uh, you got to do Ranton, and you figure that's going to be at most 10. Yeah. I mean, I would have said higher maybe earlier this week, but that Timo Meyer deal for uh, 4x6 is pretty – pretty good for Colorado. Um, and then you've got like Andre Burakovsky is going to be another three because he's got that high QO. Um, JT Comfer somewhere in the three range. Kamenev, you know, one something, his qualifying offer. And then Nikita Zadorov, three, four. So you're going to spend not a lot of that cap space. They're going to have a lot of space left, but, um, and not the, not like not Panarin space anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, that's and, and that's a that's a whole other path to go down. But this is what happens when you go out and you get you know a bunch of guys in that two to four million range. It it adds up quick, and it adds up quicker there than it does when you spend twelve million on like one really good cat. And I mean, if everybody, if it turns out that all of their young players are stars and they win a Stanley Cup. And then you want this cap flexibility because that's the thing that we've seen teams teams struggle with oh, to yeah. get there, like Chicago and all that. But they're not there yet. Like they didn't, they did. We're one game away from the Western Conference Finals, but there's no guarantee that they'll be back in that place next year, with how fluid things are and how good the Central is going to be again. Oh man, that's where you know, in a vacuum, I can look at what the Avs did today and go, okay. You know, I, I can I can square it. I can see where it makes sense for what they want to do in the future. I can I can I can get behind a lot of it. I don't like the value on the Barry thing. Um, I I there's no reason for me to like the Bellamare deal. I just don't like it. Everything else, like okay, I can see some value there. Um, but man, when you look at what the rest of their division has done, that's where I start to get worried. Like, um. You know, you see a lot of people today making fun of teams like the Stars for committing money in term to older guys. And, yeah, that might hurt Dallas three years from now. You know, when it's not going to hurt Dallas, next year. Like, that team is going to be rock solid. Adding Joe Pavelski to that team is um, not insignificant. Uh, so I worry a little bit, you know, 
like adding Joe Pavelski, adding Corey Perry, those are good buys for them in the short term. And then you look at Chicago is I think where I really have the most concern. That's a team that didn't that wasn't far back of Colorado. They didn't stay out of the playoffs by much. Um, they jumped them in the draft, so they're getting Kirby Doc. As excited as we are about Bowen Byram, like they're getting Kirby Doc. They went out and trade for Calvin Dahan, who's awesome. Um, Olimata, who's not, but improves their D. And then, um, you know, they they have that Dylan Strom addition from late in the year last year who totally turned around that forward group. I mean, that's a scary group. And then when you add Robin Lanner into it on on the in net, they might have answered their biggest question. Like, I... I wouldn't say looking today that the playoffs are a guarantee for Colorado at all. And I think if you and I had talked two weeks ago looking at the guys that were available in free agency and the cap space that Colorado had, we would have been saying the expectation is that Colorado needs to be competing for like the division title, not can they squeak in. And that's kind of where I'm at today. And, I mean, it would be great if you were like Nashville is falling off, but – Duchesne is going to add some right. like it it wasn't because they're like they have the defensemen. They don't probably have their best defensemen anymore, but they still have a strong defense. Yep. And you look at what the Coyotes did bringing in Kessel, like that's a better team. And Carl Soderberg. And yeah, and Carl Soderberg who was the reason the Avs made the playoffs. Like if he doesn't have the February March that he had, the Avs don't make the playoffs. Oh, no, not like at all. he kept them on life support. Well, actually the two players there in that stretch were Carl Soderberg and Tyson Berry who who revived that team as uh, in that little stretch of the season where things were so hard. And so I think that that's, that's the main concern. And I, I mean, the other big thing is if Grubauer is just great, like if it turns out that he just needed time to adjust, then they're fine. Yep. If it's that he's a streaky goaltender and he's never gotten the chance to play, then they're in trouble. That's the thing that I think we're, is scariest to me at this point. And I I have a lot of faith in Philip Grubauer. I really like him. And I liked him before the Avs got him. Um, but yeah, this is a big step forward to, to have him be the starter full-time. And less than, less than just that, it's like there's no safety net here. Um, Pavel Fransu had a great AHL season. That dude has never started an NHL game. And that's their backup. And they haven't, you know, Joe Sackick, I think, today talked about going out to get a third a third goalie to share time with Adam Werner and, um, in Loveland, but they went out and signed Hunter Miska. I don't know if that's going to be their guy to an AHL deal, and that's another totally unproven guy with without a big track record for success. So my bigger concern is not, like, can Grubauer handle the starter load because I feel like he can. It's... What happens if that guy pulls a groin or breaks his foot or you know whatever? Like they're one pretty minor injury to a goaltender away from like real real trouble potentially. Well, and I mean this goes back to the Avs not trusting their young guys, but they were a disaster in goaltender for two months and still never let Francis start. And on the other right. end of it, St. Louis was playing their fifth goaltender who ended up winning them the Stanley Cup. Like that's the. And I'm not saying, like, I don't think he was going to do that, but you're not trusting your young guys. Yeah. And you're not trusting him. Wouldn't you feel better today if, and, and I, I wasn't at the time, I didn't have a big problem with the decision they made on playing Fransu, but wouldn't you feel better today if you knew a little more about what that guy looks like in the uh, NHL? 
And I think that that, to me, is the problem with not playing the young players. Like, I think some of these guys, they could have gone and gotten out, or some of them, but at some point, you may have to make a trade to get somebody better. And do you actually know what you're giving up if you never give them the NHL minutes to figure it out? No, I mean, because if they lose a guy like A.J. Greer right now on, on waivers, right? Or they throw him into some other deal because they're afraid of losing him on waivers. You don't know what you have in that guy. And sure, there's a good chance you didn't have anything in him. And he goes off to the next team and and you know, and he still doesn't figure it out, right? We've we've watched that happen with Chris B. Gras, um, unfortunately, after the concussion, right? We've watched that happen with plenty of other guys in the Av system. Um but they're entering this window where you have to make that change. Um, you know, like Nick Malosh has done pretty much everything that they've asked of him in terms of development, in terms of like a nice professional growth curve. And that guy's 21 now. It's getting to be time to give that guy a shot. And instead they're out there adding Callie Rosen and Kevin Connaughton and all these guys that – like, don't move the needle for you at all, but make it a lot harder for a guy like that to get into your lineup. So, I, I mean, I'm with you. It's like you have to you have to walk the walk when it comes to drafting and developing. Um, and a lot of people will look at this and say, oh, yeah, you know, they got like what did Colorado do today? They 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 held true to what they've been saying. They got younger faster. Right. And sure, they did. A lot of these guys are young, like Donskoy totally fits that M.O. Nazem Kadri, I would say, fits that MO. But uh, Andre Burakovsky, sure, he does too. But you want to do that from within your own organization. like. And if you don't have it, then get rid of the guys. Right. Then th- this is the most value they're ever going to have. If they really don't have the value that you've been saying they have and that other people think they have, this is when you get rid of them. So then they're not a mistake in your organization. Right. So that's the – Figure out what these guys are. Yeah, so I think so. At the end of the day, do you think the Abs are a better team now than they were at the end of the season? Um, man, that's hard. Uh, I do not. I think they're a better team than they started last year, like than last October. Um, but they already had Kale McCarr at the end of last season, right? And that's the biggest addition here. Um, so I think, you know, I think they have the potential to be a better team a year from now. Um, but I don't know that they're a better team right now. I think they answered a lot of questions about that second line. I think the, the forward depth, I think Nazem Kadri makes a big difference. I really like Eunice Donskoy. I, I think that group looks poised to do something, and I do feel like there's like we're scratching the surface on Tyson Jost, and there's a lot more there. So I feel pretty good about the forward group, um, and the D group has a lot of potential. But I I just think that hole is too big for Kale McCarr to fill in one year. The guy has ten games in his NHL career, and they were awesome, and he looked great, but he is going to have growing pains. He is going to have slip ups. He's, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody should be expecting that guy to come in and replace 60 points for Tyson Berry. So I think they've lost something there. I think there's a lot of potential on D, but there, there's going to be some hurting back there in the short term. Um, 
while they figure this out because Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram are not ready to take up that like top pairing mantle today. And we all hope they will be soon, but not today. Uh, and behind them, the goaltending has gotten maybe not worse, but certainly riskier. And so I'm not willing to say today that I think they're better than, than they were in the playoffs. It's a wash for me. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll definitely do this a lot more. Um, Absolutely, man. Quinn has disappeared, so I don't know where he is. So eventually we'll talk about the Nuggets, <laughs> but I don't know where he's gone. So come back, Quinn. Uh, thanks for listening to the Denver's. Come back, Quinn. <laughs>